everyone, and welcome to A Leader's Impact, part of our Iris Interviews podcast channel for business executives, business owners, managers, and anyone interested in what's going on in the world of business and tech. I'm Elena Mortimazika, CEO of Iris Software Group, and today I'm joined by the amazing Dwayne Jackson, founder of Cashflow and Staffology and the Senior Technical Director at Iris. Hey everyone, thanks for having me back. Hi Dwayne, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Great to have you back, I really enjoyed our last podcast. Likewise. Today we are going to be talking about what does it mean to be or to have leadership material? What is it that all leaders possess and how can it be developed? As a CEO, I regularly get asked the question from people, um, and now my journey obviously has been my journey, but I'm going to try and share what I've learned about leadership over the years, and as you can imagine, that's evolved because the role of leadership has evolved. I've got my favorite person here, Dwayne Jackson, as I mentioned. Now, Dwayne and I uh, already did a podcast together, so if you didn't listen to it, uh, please do. We explored confidence and self-belief and I think it was a pretty lively discussion, Dwayne, would you It agree? was. I've got a feeling this one's going to be livelier, though. <laughs> I've asked you to join me today to get your perspective on leadership, because I know you have a lot to say on this topic as an entrepreneur and a business founder, which I always say my hat off to you, because so few people can succeed in founding their own businesses and making them a success and you've done that a few times over so absolutely amazing so i'm sure our listeners um will learn a lot today so Dwayne, leadership mm -hmm. what leadership role models if any did you have in your early career and was there anything about them that stood out or were you born with all the leadership skills already? That's so a good you question. didn't need any help at all. It's like that thing about <laughs> entrepreneurship. Are, are entrepreneurs born or made? And I think the same thing works with leaders, right? Are leaders born or made? And certainly, if, if when I think back to sort of earlier in my career, there's no specific people that stand out. But if I think about of those I did look up to as leaders, what were the qualities that they had? I'd think of things like high EQ rather than IQ, um, self-awareness, charisma, these are all things that I do not possess in great quantities and have had to learn over the years. So my, my natural state is in a dark cupboard with a computer writing code. And I was, I was kind of forced into the leadership role. So certainly not a natural leader and, and have learned um, how to, well, EQ you can't necessarily learn, I don't think, but the self-awareness you can do. Um, so there's lots, lots of the qualities that you need as a leader you can learn and you can develop it. It's not something you either have or don't have, I don't think. Does that chime with your experience? A hundred percent. I think self-awareness is really, really important because people have this perception of what good looks like. And we are trained throughout life to focus on things we don't know very well. You know, you go for a performance review and people go, you did well there, but here are the things you need to work on. So we are conditioned to go and work on those areas that are areas of development. And I, I genuinely believe that if you're not good at some things, it's because maybe you don't, you're not naturally talented yep. in that particular area or you don't have a passion for it. Yeah. So the reality is you can spend all the time in the world learning those things you're not that good at. But the reality is you might only get to be a 7 out of 10 on those things. When really, if you're self-aware as a leader and you know what you're not good at, your job is to focus on the things you're a 10 out of 10 on. 
and always stay at 10 out of 10 and then hire some people yep. to cover you for the things that you're only going to be a 7 out of 10 on. But that sounds more like management, right? And so, is, so are we saying management and leadership are the same thing? Because a managerial role, you can be put into that role, right? That, that, that comes from your, your, your job, your place yeah. on the org chart. Whereas I think you can be a manager without being a leader and you could be a leader without being a manager. So even someone, again, if you look at it from the org chart, far sort of lower down in, can still be a leader in, in a small team. And it's a position you put yourself into and you earn, I think, rather than are, are given. I completely agree with that. I think leadership is about um, energy and it's about affecting others yep. with your exactly. positivity, with your influence, with what you're bringing to follow you, right? The That's the whole Absolutely. point of leading. If you're leading and you've not got any followers, you're not a great leader, right? And it's a great, it's a great point you bring, actually, because normally we think of leaders and leadership as a style or as a skill that we need to have as we go up the ladder. And to your point, um, sometimes leaders are born. Yeah. I, uh, I remember always wanting to be, um, you know, to have the main role at the school mm -hmm. drama or, or whatever it was. And that's not because I thought I was the best, probably because I put myself forward. And sometimes um, you've got to grab opportunities and, and a key role of leadership and uh, is about having the confidence yeah. to um, give yourself the permission to put your hand up, to do something that maybe others want to do, and actually to influence other people. And that's the key, right? So you can get that main role, but unless you are motivating the rest of the cast and getting them excited, then you're not leading, you just have the main role. So you, I think you can be a great manager and a terrible leader. I think you can be a great leader and a terrible manager. Um, I don't think that we, especially in the, in the, in the Western business world, conflate the two. I, I lot, agree with that. I think. And on, on the self-awareness thing, so I went for a lot of training on this. I was a terrible, I was probably a better leader than I was a manager for a long time, um, but I wasn't great at either. And, and a few years before selling uh, cash flow, went for a lot of training on it. And one of the things that really stuck with me, especially being a computer nerd, right, is, is I see internally I have these, these dials. And there are, there are multiple of them, but one of them is um, your leadership style. You can either be a dictator or you can be consultative. Um, they're, they're opposite extremes, right? And, and you will naturally lean one way. You can guess which way I lean, and I think you do as well. We lean towards the dictator <laughs> side. But being aware, no? Oh, okay. Always. <laughs> we'll see. But being aware, that, one, that that dial exists, and two, that you can make a conscious effort and in a certain scenario go, actually, I need to fight my natural propensity to be a dictator and push more towards the consultative in yeah. this scenario. And that's just one of the multiple dials. I mean, you, you can be uh, consistent or you can be reactive. You can't be both. Um, and it's working out what those dials are and being aware of them that, that for me was the biggest insight around probably the self-awareness part of leadership. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And actually, it's interesting what you, saw, what you talk about style because leadership styles have changed a lot. Um, and I think they're coming back as well in cycles. And I think COVID did a lot to forever change what, what the view of a good leader is today. I would say that I've always been super confident from a very, very young age. And I know I joked about it earlier, but when I look back, I was always the head girl or, mm -hmm. you know, I had the best part in, in so a So part of it you thing. were naturally born with then, I guess. Maybe. And then what happened to me is when I was 16 years old and I was, um, I went to this boarding school with 200 kids from 135 different countries, I realized they were a lot more clever than I was. And being honest, that was the first time I'd been surrounded by so many people 
that made my world look bigger. I used to be a big fish. I wasn't that big, but you know, a big fish in a very tiny pool. Mm -hmm. And now I was a very small fish in a big pool. So actually what it taught me is how that consultative style, how important that is, because you are only as good as your team. I always say to people, you get the team you deserve. And it, I, it made me realize that I was, you know, so little compared to how big the world was and there was so much I needed to learn. And the only way to learn it is from the people around me. Yep. So I have, I'm still super confident and I can make decisions really quickly and I don't need a lot of data to make decisions. However, I have seen the benefit of diversity and I have seen the benefit of having amazing teams around you. And I know that I don't know a lot. I'm always going to be work in progress. So my leadership style as a result changed a lot to one of listening to people and making sure that they're collaborating and I'm learning from them because what's the point of hiring great people if I'm going to tell them what to do anyway. Whereas if you were in a much smaller organisation, right, if, if, if you were in a 10-person startup, you would hopefully then lean back, back towards your, your more natural style of being um, authoritarian and dictatorial, if you like, and, and actually getting stuff done quickly rather than having to work as part of a bigger team. And I think it depends on the situations, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. I think there is a time and a place for that leadership style. If the business is in trouble, if you're running a business that's running out of cash, there is no time to take long for decisions. You've got to make decisions quick. I think for me, COVID was fantastic at that because actually we were all hit with this new thing that none of us had seen before. Uh, and the world was all in the same place. It was a bit like driving in the dark and all you could do is put your full beam lights on, but all you could see is like two meters ahead and you don't know if you're going to crash or not. For me personally, I was a brand new CEO at the time. <laughs> so that was really interesting. But I remember that as a leader, I had to be, first of all, never waste a good crisis. I think that's a really good thing to take away. Goes so what every, saying before, right? Opportunity rather than a threat. Absolutely. Every challenge brings you an opportunity. Number two, that we lived in an imperfect world and actually decision-making was far more important than the best decisions. Making fast decisions was far better than making, you know, waiting for data to come, particularly in that time when we didn't know what was going to happen. So to your point, my, I don't like to call it dictatorial because it's, it, it's got negative connotations, mm. but the reality is I, me and the executive team it's met decisive. every morning and we were decisive yep. and we made some decisions that were good for business regardless. You know, you can control the controllables. That's the only thing you can do. And there are some non-regret decisions you can do really quickly without having to think about the data and the points, because by the time you wait for six months, the world is but a different exactly place. That. So Even more so now, right? Absolutely. So fast decisions really quickly, I think, is a great trait of a great leader because standing still, nobody learns from standing still. But then that that is potentially contradictory, right? Because some of the received wisdom is it's about having people on the bus on the journey with you. And if you're making a, a decision saying we are doing X and you've not invested the time to get everyone on board with that decision, then how do you deal with, with that? As I said, I, I think it depends on the situation that you have. If the business is struggling, you've got to make decisions yeah. quick, don't you? If you are in the middle of COVID and loads of people have a lot of different ideas, you can listen. But at the end of the day, the timing of the decision was, in my mind, far more important than the decision itself. Doing nothing and waiting wasn't really um, sort of, uh, you know, what the business needed at that point in time. And that um, instinct that you have as a leader to say, my duty is for the greater good. My duty is to look after the business and most of the people 
rather than every single individual need. Yeah. Uh, and at that point in time, you've got to you've got to call. So you've got to make tough decision. You've got to call the shots, don't you? That's exactly. what you get paid for. Yeah, absolutely. But is that instinctive for you? When you're in that scenario, do you instinctively know this is a scenario where I need to make a quick decision? I'm going to do it versus I need to spend time getting everyone on, on board. Because for me, it's not instinctive, right? I, I have to make a conscious decision to, to think, okay, what, which dial do I move in, in which direction in this scenario, which can be exhausting sometimes. It is quite exhausting. I think that sometimes um, creating a, cu- a culture of collaboration, mm-hmm. if not done well, can lead to it taking longer to make yeah. decisions. So for me, I've got four key priorities for the business, and they are you know, well communicated and everybody knows what they are. So I try and make decisions in line with those priorities. Does it hit one of those four criteria? If not, then it's not that important. And if that means that somebody else has to make that decision or people can take longer to collaborate, then that's key. When it comes to one of those four, I would always still revert back to the team to start with because they're the experts. And you're empowering but them. But comes right? the point, whether it's in the middle of a meeting or by the time you've had a third meeting and people haven't yeah. agreed where you the as force. a leader are going to go, right, have you got a recommendation for me? Yeah. Because obviously that's ideally that's the best way because if they've recommended then everybody's bought behind it and you didn't make the decision, that's the whole point. But you've given everybody the chance to give their points of view and think about things 360. So at that point, I will always say what's well, a decision here because we have now wasted too much time. And I think, um, you know, there is a fear generally from people about making the wrong mm-hmm. decisions. And I always say... Very rarely have I come across decisions that are irreversible. We don't have any patience on the operating table. Yep. You know, we can't make a decision that's going to affect somebody's life. I know for some people that is what they deal with day, day in, day out. I don't have to deal with that. So really, the first thing I ask people when they're unsure about whether to go ahead with something or not, I say, how much are you going to sink? How much money are you going to sink before you know that this was the wrong decision? Tell me how you're going to fail fast. And how much money have you sank at that point in time? Because if I'm going to wait a whole year yeah. and X million pounds before you realize it's the wrong decision, that's very different. If, you don't, if you're not sure, give me a plan that fails you fast in two weeks and sinks only X amount of money, and then we can move on. So that's a really good point. So when you talk about your team and you're looking for um, leadership potential in, in them, what, what qualities is it you're looking for? Um, so I look for, um, number one is curiosity. Okay. And the reason I look for that is because curious people are going to have a growth mindset. They're always going to be work in progress and have a thirst for learning. And I think leaders are more inspirational when they want to learn, when they present themselves as work in progress and, and always thirsty for more knowledge. Nobody... You know, if you look at somebody and you look at them as the finished product, that looks almost like unachievable. Yeah. You, 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 you create this vision of them that is not realistic. The reality is we're all human. So if you hire people that have got a level of curiosity, you're hiring a team that's going to grow, you're hiring a team that is innovative, and you're hiring a team that can inspire others because they're taking an interest in what others do and fundamentally people want to be listened to and they want to be treated as if they can contribute. Yeah. And I think that's quite an important trait. What about vulnerability? People, you look at the old school model of a leader is, is the alpha male, invincible, whatever else. Um, but you were talking about changing styles, I guess. Yeah. And vulnerability seems more important than it used to be. 
I completely agree. Vulnerability is so important in the leader and it's become even more important during COVID. I think vulnerability is, is a strength, if I'm honest. And what it does do is that it creates a connection between you as the leader and the people around you. Uh, because as I said earlier, nobody's perfect. And whilst we want our leaders to have courage of their conviction and you know, make decisions really fast, that doesn't mean that they can't be vulnerable as well. I think what I liked about COVID, um, I was a new CEO at the time. I had to find a different way to reach out to people, obviously all digital. We did a blog uh, and everything else. But what I liked about it is that for the first time, everybody was exactly facing the same situation. It didn't matter how high up you were in your career. It didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter what your current situation was, whether you lived in a big house or a small house. You were all hit with exactly the same yeah, problem. The None of you could leave the house. And that was one of the very first times where everybody from all paths, and in this case across the world, was facing something similar. So it was really important for me as a leader at the time to be open mm -hmm. to our team at Iris, our 3,000 employees, and say, this is really hard, actually. I want to be here, and I know we can do this, and I know we're flexible, and we're going to be able to do a lot more than we ever thought. But this is very difficult. I didn't sign up for you know, teaching my kids homeschooling. I don't know how to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and it gave us all, um, I think, a connection that will be there forever. So I do think that COVID was great for that. And I think it changed the picture of the power of vulnerability because fundamentally we're humans and we connect at a human level. Exactly. Regardless of P&Ls and goals and OKRs, they were all humans. And, and yeah, and then that kind of connects nicely with another thing that I think is really important around leadership, and that's authenticity. Um, so I remember reading a question, and it's still confusing me even now. So there's a question somewhere on a test. I can't remember if it's around... ADHD or Asperger's or just some other random test, but it was about, do you act at work the same way you do at home? In other words, do you treat your colleagues the same And I was just like, well, yeah, of course I do. And, and it just completely threw me that some people have their professional persona, which is a complete 180 or, or a very different to who they are at home, which again, to me, sounds tiring, if, if nothing else. I couldn't agree more with that. So I, um, I vividly remember having uh, this boss I worked for and she was amazing and formidable, but she was a woman of steel. Okay. And um, then something happened uh, in her life. She lost her father. And I remember going out for lunch with her and seeing a completely different side to her, um, obviously being very sad about what had happened. And I have never felt more affection okay. or been more inspired by somebody for seeing their true self. Yeah. And uh, for me, this job, any kind of leadership job is can be all-consuming. You're a leader because it's because that's what you want to do. You know, you've chosen a certain path. You are affecting others. You are influencing other people. You're hopefully inspiring other people. So it's really full on. It's not something you can turn on at like nine o'clock and switch off from at five o'clock. So I would personally find it really, really tiring if I put on a different persona yeah. for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day and then went and become somebody else afterwards. And I always say to people, the trick about success is to find a business environment and a business that accepts you 
just the way you are and actually shines the lights on those things that are different about you because it's your differences that make you amazing. I say this story about being in Big Four, Deloitte, I was I got promoted to manager and one of the partners, a partner I had a lot of respect for at the time, set me down to say, Elena, you are going to have to wear suits now. And to put this in context, uh, I always wore a dress. I'm wearing a dress right now, uh, beautiful dresses, nothing indiscreet or anything like that. Um, and he said, you know, our cust- you're a manager now, so you're obviously more senior. And our clients expect you to go in a suit, your typical mm. accountant. I was working for, for an accountancy firm and I wore this suit and I, I just didn't feel myself at all. And what you lose when you try and change somebody and, and create a version of them that they're not you lose what's best about them as well. I exactly. wasn't myself. I wasn't loud. I wasn't full of energy. And and that energy is what makes me amazing. And that's why I've been so lucky at Iris, really. Uh, you know, I joined here as a CFO. I was promoted to COO. I was promoted to CEO. And in all of that time, I'd like to think that people have seen the real me. There is a lot of people here. I'm so privileged and lucky to call my friends. And... Um, yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, you know, it, it's wonderful, really, creating an environment where you can be yourself. because yeah. I think when you are doing what, what you do, and this is your in, entire focus, and, and perhaps even more so when you're an entrepreneur and you're building something from the ground up, that is your entire focus. And I don't have much of a line, if one at all, between business friends and friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I have a few friends that aren't involved in business, but I've got some of my closest friends are people I've met on my entrepreneurial journey, if you like, because it's it's a... A very raw experience, right? Lots of highs and lows, and, and but you are there authentically, and and, and not seems to be something that you're not putting a facade on. A hundred percent. I think that authenticity also comes with some passion. Uh, Roald yeah. Dahl said a long time ago, "Lukewarm is no good." And for me, I really, really stand behind that. We all have choices. The world is a big place. There are a lot of jobs out there. There is a lot of. Um, you know, activities and hobbies and anything that that you can do, we know that we are best at doing things that we are passionate about. And I genuinely believe, no matter what your role is, if you find a job or a career that is aligned to your skill set, that you have a natural, um, you know, affection for or natural passion for, then you will be a lot better at it. Because, and that means you don't have to fake it you are naturally excited by what you're doing, regardless of what that role is in the organization. That's the sort of thing you're interested in. When you pick up a book on holiday, I pick up a book about leadership. You probably pick up a book about tech because that's what you're interested in. Exactly that. And if your passion is coupled with the role that you do, then you can be your authentic self. You can bring your best self to the table because you're doing what you love. And then it's not a job anymore. It's you know, getting paid to, to grow you, and learn and do exactly. it with some amazing people. I remember seeing some chart and it was a triangle and, and the three corners were, were something you're good at, uh, something you enjoy and something that makes money. And if you can do all of those, you're laughing, right? Because, Jackpot. <laughs> exactly. Because you can be good at something and it makes money but you don't enjoy it. Fine. Yeah. You, you can do something that you enjoy and you're good at but it doesn't make money. That sounds like a hobby. But when you can tick all three of those, yeah, like I say, jackpot. Absolutely. So um, we've covered a lot about leadership today. What sort of um, legacy do you want to leave behind from a leadership perspective? I've not thought about that much. I think it's... So going back to if you're a leader, you can't be a leader without followers, right? So it'll be 
enabling and elevating people that I work with into a, a leadership position. Assume that's what they want, because yeah. you can't force people down that path. But really, it's, yeah, lifting other people and helping them along the journey to, to be good leaders, or, or not even necessarily to be good leaders, but to get where they want to get to in life, uh, which doesn't have to be a leadership position, it could be somewhere else. But yeah, helping, helping other people on that journey. Maximising their potential. Yeah, exactly that. Really I like that. You put it a lot better than me. I like that. I remember looking at schools for my two little boys and the school we chose. I chose it because I went to the open day and the headmaster said to us, um, I can't guarantee you that your kids will be superstars. I don't know how bright they are, mm. etc. But I can guarantee you if they have it in them, we will get it out of them <laughs> and we yeah. will ma help them maximise their potential. And for me... I think that's a great legacy. So I can turn it around on you now then. So same question to you. What, what, what do you want your legacy as a leader to be? I think it is that. I think is if I look back on the iris um, that I have created today, hopefully it's, you know, better than the iris that I found. And obviously the, you know, the, fu the future iris will be even better than more, what we currently have today. I think for me, the legacy is creating an environment where everybody can maximize their potential and bring their best version of themselves. Not the version of somebody else, not what they think success might look like, but the version of success that they aspire to be and giving them the means and creating the environment where they can do that unquestionably. I certainly see that that's what you're doing when I, when I look around and, and talk to people. It's, it's certainly sort of changed over the last four or five years. I've been here in 2013 and being here now, it's a very different business. Thank you, Dwayne. That means a lot. Thank you. Wow. Well, that was lively, mm -hmm. I think. So we so talked a lot about leadership. We talked about being authentic. Yeah. I think we all, we both agree you can't really fake it. It's it's uh, yeah. it's too many hours in a day to be somebody else. But it can be learned rather than uh, being born with it, I think is a, is a key takeaway there. Absolutely. Uh, having that self-awareness and the humility and vulnerability as a leader because vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. Exactly. Thank you, Duane. I've really enjoyed that. Look forward to our next podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening, everyone. I really hope this has been interesting and useful. Thank you, Duane. We have a lot of other podcasts on our channel, so if you found this valuable, please do hit the subscribe button and don't forget to seek us out on all the usual social media channels.